Morning, guys. Yeah, my name's Chris. Uh, I do work here. I work with our middle schoolers. Uh, me and a group of volunteers and a whole bunch of students, we run something on Wednesday nights that we call Altitude. It is, it is an absolute blast. And, and I'll tell you what, the people that I get to volunteer with and the students that we get to see each week, I, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about middle schoolers. I'll own that. But but this group has got to be some of the sharpest, some of the funniest, and just the greatest kids that I've got to meet. And it is, it is so cool. If you, don't, if you guys don't know what happens or, or aren't really clear what happens with, at, with this church and with middle school students, man, talk to me afterwards. I'll, I'll give you story on story. Or better yet, better yet, come see a Wednesday night. It is so fun. It is so awesome. You'll probably wish you were a middle schooler. So uh, super excited to get to be up here. I was up here last week. If, uh, if any of you guys were here for our, um, I had my uh, sorority gear on, uh, because we had our college weekend. Uh, any college student, welcome back. You know, uh, I have to say it sucks. No, I'll say go Buffs. I'll just leave it at that, because that, that was a tough game from the refs. But, you know, anyway, whatever. Great game, great game. If our college students are back, uh, we want to just a little quick commercial plug. Remember, where he started our fake uh, sorority or fraternity, Alpha Sig. Rush Week starts this week, so right now, actually. So after the service, make sure you check it out. We've got a uh, root beer pong tournament, which I feel weird about, but, uh, but going on after this. And so yeah, join us out there. Uh, Rush Week events are happening all week. Chance to win stuff. All right, commercial break over. Hey, uh, thanks for joining me on a Labor Day. Labor Day has always been a fun weekend for me. This, uh, my birthday is on the 6th, and so my birthday is always kind of landed right around um, Labor Day. It's always either been on it or right around it. So Labor Day has always felt like my birthday weekend. So thanks for joining me for my birthday. No, uh, but <laughs> something you might something you might not know about me uh, just with my birthday. So I am, I like geek out. My favorite thing, if I had to like pick something that's like totally my favorite thing, is like medieval crap. Like like dragons and knights and magic. Like I totally get into it. I totally believe it existed. I would have loved to. Have, to have like been there, uh, but but anyway, so so growing up, I grew up in Ohio, and for not and for 19 years straight, we would go on my birthday to the Ohio Renaissance Festival, which is this like little town they'd set up, all these like booze and chicken leg or whatever, and you know I get dressed up, and 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 so I, I remember like my right before my freshman year of college, my mom's like, oh, what do you want to do for your birthday, freshman year of college, and like mom, you you know what I want to do. We're going to the Renaissance Festival. And she's like, she got all so sick of it. But just to show you guys that this is no joke, I'll show you one of my, one of my prized possessions. This is something I, uh, something I purchased uh, once upon a time. I was knighted with this. I used to take fencing classes. But uh, anyway, always wanted to just bring this up on stage for some reason. Oh, God, stab myself. Put this away. Uh, anyway, okay. So, uh, yeah, I got my birthday coming up. I am turning 28 on Wednesday. And if you're in the group and you're going, oh, a 28-year-old is going to talk to us about relationships and how to have good ones, yeah, yeah I'm laughing too. Uh, because for, for me, where I'm at, this, we've been doing this series called uh, Love Handles, and we're talking about how to get a grip on your relationships, how to have healthy, strong, great relationships. And me at 28, I will tell you, I am in the midst of trying to figure this out. I am not someone that has any expertise in it, but it has been, it has been awesome to get to dive into this. I'm really excited to share with you what God's kind of been showing me with this. Um, we, uh, we, when, we designed, when we designed this series, we wanted it to be something that, that was uh, super applicable to, to, and I think it is applicable for people who are married or dating or whatever, but that's not, that's not what our sort of intention was only. We, we really think that this is a series that, that, that is for any relationship, that, that what we're talking about here, we're talking about any relationship you have, whether it is a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, whether it's your parents or a sibling or 
a coworker or, or, or somebody, you know, a neighbor or whatever it is, any of those relationships, we think that, that at, at least if you're like me, I have some relationships that I think are where I want them to be, healthy, growing, great, but I have a lot that aren't quite where I want them to be yet. And something that, that I think is so true about God, if God wants something for us, I think that he wants more than anything for us to have really fantastic, strong relationships that are growing and that are developing and are, and are whole and real. And, and so, so we've been pressing into that. We've been pressing into what does that look like? And, and we've been sort of couching it in this, um, in this passage of scripture that, that a lot of you guys have probably heard before. Um, it, it's something that we oftentimes read at weddings. Um, and it's, it's, it's a great, you know, I think it's great for that, but I think it's something that we should read every day. It's, a, it's something that Paul wrote. It's, um, it's to a church that was in Corinth that had a, had a lot of interesting ideas of what relationships looked like. And, and so we, we've been using this as kind of what God's talking about, about the kind of love that we want to have in every kind of relationship that we have. So, so I'll read to you guys again um, and, then we'll, and then we'll jump into this stuff. It, it says this, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, a funny little thing that I like to do is uh, I like to kind of read this stuff and go, uh, you know, I wonder if I could be described that way. So I'll put my name in there instead of love. And, and what, I, what I kind of found was if you actually take the reverse of these things, it's kind of an embarrassingly good description of myself. Like if you were to read this, I think if, if you knew me well or if you worked with me, you would say, Chris is not very patient. Chris is not always kind. Uh, Chris definitely envies. Chris definitely boasts. Chris is definitely proud. Uh, yeah, I don't know about dishonoring others, but Chris is self-seeking. I, unfortunately, am easily angered at times. Definitely keep records of wrongs. I, okay, I don't delight in evil. But, but anyway, I, when, I look at this, when I look at this passage, I'm going, this stuff does not come naturally to me. This is not my like go-to way of interacting in relationships. So I have, I have really, really loved getting to, uh, getting to sit here these last couple weeks and press into this stuff. Um, when, when, when we started this, if, if you haven't heard, we had two weeks before this, and you didn't get to hear what Bill and Jim talked about, make sure you go home and listen to these things online. They are fantastic. They've been super helpful for me. When Jim came up here for the first week, he talked about that, how in every single relationship we have, any relationship, we walk into that, whether we know it or not, with a list of, with, with, uh, with expectations of what we hope, or what we want to have happen in this relationship. We have these expectations of what this relationship is going to look like, whatever it is, and then we have our experience of it. And more often than not, or every single time, the expectations are not the same as our, as our experiences. And maybe sometimes the experience is better, but I think a lot of times we find ourselves kind of disappointed or frustrated or confused that what, we're, what we expected is not what we're experiencing. And this kind of gap gets established between the two. And Jim talked about that how one way that we can, take, that we can make an effort to bring those, the, the expectations we have and the, and the experiences we have closer together is if we actively try to believe the best in the person that we're having this kind of relational struggle with. If we try to believe the best in them, we can shrink the gap between expectation and experience. And then Bill came up here and he talked about how love keeps no record of wrong and, and how, we, how we are 
excellent scorekeepers. And we're so good at being able to rate ourselves and rate other people and be like, well, I did this many things, so you owe me this many things. Or, man, I suck at this. You're so much better than me here. Whatever. We're, we're really, really good at being scorekeepers. But we talked about how God is somebody who is a terrible scorekeeper. That, that he, he doesn't do it at all. And, and thank God he doesn't. Because I don't want to know what my score is next to God. Uh, so, so we talked about how, so if God can look at us and say, hey, I'm keeping no score with you. I'm keeping no record with you. Then maybe we can start to look at the relationships that we have. And, and, the, and the places where we're trying to have relational growth. And say, hey, I'm, I'm going to erase my scoreboard. And I'm not going to have a scorecard with you. What, I, what's, what I've been wrestling with, though, is what happens what happens when we try that, when we try to believe the best, and you try to erase that scoreboard, but in, this, in a relationship, I, I don't know if you guys can think of it, I can for me in, in plenty, where I'm still finding myself so, I don't know, disappointed or, or frustrated or angry. I, I, can't, I can't help but keep this scoreboard because I keep getting disappointed. I, I, I just, I don't, no matter how much I try to change the way I think, I just don't like being around this person or I can't seem to get things where I want them to go. That's what I want to press into today. I want to look at how much of that, how much of that do we need to own something in there? Do we need to look at ourselves? So, so let me pray real quick and we'll, uh, we'll jump into it. Uh, God, thank you that you are a God that wants us to have relationships that matter, relationships that are whole and good. And uh, we're working on that. So, so would you help us for these next few minutes to really think through our own relationships and where you are calling us and what's going on inside. Um, and we give this time to you. Amen. Okay, yeah, so, so what, what I've been thinking about is, is like I said, what, what do you do when no matter what you've tried to do, no matter how you try to see a different perspective or change the way you're thinking, you, you're still just frustrated. You're still angry. You're still, dis- I mean, that's the emotion I always feel. Maybe you're sad or you know, whatever it is with, with a certain relationship or maybe a number of relationships that aren't going where you want them to go. What do we, what do, we do with that? How do, we, how do we get that kind of relational wholeness that we want? For me, when I, was a, uh, when I was a sophomore in college, I had a guy transfer in for his sophomore year, too, and we were roommates. And, um, and he and I were, were two guys that immediately hit it off. Great guy, really fun to be around, a lot of, a lot of similar interests or compatible, you know, friendship, whatever. He was, he was somebody I, I loved hanging out with because he, he, one, he thought I was funny. Big plus. Uh, and, then, and the other thing, too, is he was somebody that would get really fired up about stuff I was excited for. And, and I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys have like a friend or somebody that you know that, that gets super passionate about things you're passionate about. They're like, they're your favorite person to be around. It feels so good to be with them. Somebody, somebody like that, if, if you guys know Maurice, Maurice is somebody that gets super excited about whatever you're excited about. And, and that's why it's just so fun to be around. You're like, yeah, this is, it is great. And so, and so it, he, was, he was a guy that, that we, you know, would, would get excited. We'd sort of feed off each other's energy. Um, and so good friends at college, had a lot of fun. And we also, we, we volunteered together with this, with this ministry. A lot of you guys are familiar with the ministry called Young Life. If you don't know what it is, awesome organization that basically adult volunteers enter into middle and high schools. They, they, they kind of care for students and help them start to get to know who is Jesus and how could you have a relationship with him. We, we were volunteering at a specific high school. We had like a program and, and a bunch of stuff that we would do at this high school. We did it together. And again, we sort of fed off each other's energy, had a lot of fun together, had a lot of cool things happen. I, without sounding arrogant, like, you know, I was Batman, he was Robin. He was my sidekick and everything. It was, it was really, really fun year. At the end of that sophomore year, at my junior year, um, my area director, my boss for Young Life came to me and said, hey, we want to start a Young Life area, or a Young Life program at a school that's never had it before. 
and, and we want you to be the person who kind of runs it. And a really cool opportunity to, to get to learn, to, to be in you know, a little bit more of a leadership role, learn a bunch of stuff, awesome experiences getting to do that, really, really great time doing that. Um, the deal was, though, what if, if I were going to do that, what I would do is I would kind of hand off um, the ministry with the school that I had been working at to my roommate. He, he knew it. I trusted him. seemed like a great fit. I got to, I, I get to do this cool kind of experience, new thing here, and I get to hand off something that I really care about to somebody who I think cares about it too. Great. Woo! As the year gets going on, as the year gets going on, I'm sort of starting to see how he's running things, how he's doing things. And, and yeah, I get it. It's different from me. You know, that's fine. But it's, it's just not being done very well. And, that, and, I, and I'm getting frustrated by that. I'm, I'm seeing people and I'm seeing things kind of slip through the cracks that I knew if I was there doing it, that wouldn't be happening. And, and so, and so our, our relationship kind of shifted. And it shifted to now I'm, I'm, when I see him, I'm, I'm angry and I'm irritated and I'm going, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? What, you need to start doing this. And, and how are you letting the ball drop here? And he would say, you know, okay, I'm trying, or whatever, I'll try that. Or he just, he wouldn't, and he'd argue with me. And, and, and our relationship, it just kind of got nastier and nastier. And, and, and every time I saw him, it was just feelings of, of anger and frustrations. And every time he saw me, he's probably going, here's this guy who always criticizes me. That's the worst person to be around. And it, it got nasty, and, and, and I, tr- you know, I try to, okay, he's new, try to believe the best. He's, he's, he's got his own style, he'll get there. But, but again and again, just seeing things not done the way I thought they were supposed to, not like inappropriately or anything wrong, but just not done as well as they should have been done. And it, and, it, and it just, our relationship just got aggressive. It got nasty. I didn't even like being in the same room with him. And, and so and I, neither of us ever talked about this, but we kind of both made this conscious decision that was like, I can't have anything to do with you. I can't have anything to do with your dealing with. I got to focus on my stuff. I got to do my own thing. And whatever you do, I can't care anymore. Because I'm just, it's just so irritating. It's so frustrating. I, I, sorry, I, I'm out. And, 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 that's, and that's, how our, that's how the next couple years of college went. It was just, we just cut off. And it was, we knew that if, if, if we tried anything else, our relationship was just going to get worse. Unfortunately for me, that kind of started a pattern of how I tend to be in relationships. I, I would say I'm not really a good team player. It's not because it's not I don't like people around or I don't, it's not that I don't want people there. It's just I have a really, really hard time trusting people with stuff, it, trusting them with things that I, that I really care about because I don't want to find myself in a spot where now our relationship is in jeopardy because they're not doing what I think they should be doing. They're not, they're not being who I want them to be. It, it, even, it even translates into my friendships where I, unfortunately, tend to really keep people at an arm's distance. I, I, I don't want to get too invested in what's going on in their lives because I don't want to be, again, disappointed with what they might choose to do or not do. I don't really want them to know me or, or know what's really going on here because I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be in that kind of vulnerable spot where our relationship might suffer because I'm disappointed. So what do we, what do, we do with that stuff? In the midst of in the midst of this going on with this roommate, I, I had a mentor that I would that I would call. He was he was an older guy. Um, we would talk for like I don't know thirty minutes or something once a week, and he he introduced something that that for me was has been and continues to be sort of a big deal for me in the sense of trying to make steps towards relational growth. Because for me, as I started looking at my life, I was going, I don't want to I don't want to be somebody that. I, I don't want to be described as somebody that doesn't trust friends. I don't want to be somebody that doesn't respect his wife enough to tell her what's going on. I don't, I don't want to be a neighbor who doesn't 
jump into, you know, know who you are just because I don't want to get too invested. That's, that's not like the ideal picture I dreamed up for myself. That's not how I think any of us want to be described. So, so, so this mentor brought up this idea for me that, that has been helpful in taking some steps forward. And, and what he talked about was he would say, Chris, you got to understand here, it, 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 what's happening here is not so much your roommate is hurting you or, or you know, whatever this really, like, it's, it's very rare that's, I mean, sometimes it happens, but very rare that someone's trying to hurt you. What's more happening is they've touched a part of your story that hurts or that is raw. They've, they've hit a part of your story and you need to start to know your story. And when, I, and when I talk about story, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the, the, the events that have happened, the experiences or moments or, or, or people or sometimes tragedies or successes or maybe even violations that, that we have, have had happen to us that are shaping who we are, that have shaped who we are to this moment, that, that story that, that is us. And, and, and we kind of know what it's like to know somebody else's story. When you get to know somebody, you learn a little bit about their story. You, I know when I married Sarah and I met her family and got to know how she grew up, that a lot of her made more sense because of that. But, but I think too often our own story, especially those areas that hurt, especially those areas where there's real suffering, real pain, real kind of rawness or, or, or things that we wish hadn't happened or things that should not have happened. Those are the areas that I don't think we deal with a lot. We certainly don't want other people dealing with them. And, and a lot of the times we don't even know they're going on because we don't want to look at them at all. My mentor was pushing me to go, you got to start to understand your story. You got to jump into that and start to see, because what's, again, what's happened here is your story's been touched in a place where it's raw. And as we talked about it, for me, as, as, as we talked about what's going on in my, in my story, I, I, took, uh, I grew up in Ohio, uh, and my family, we, we lived on a vegetable farm. Uh, that's what we did uh, to grow up. We would like, go to farmer's markets and harvest and all that stuff. And, uh, and, and, I, and I, a lot of times, you know, that we, it was a family business, and so I worked a lot with my dad. And, and you guys got to know, my dad is probably one of the, the man that I respect more than any other. Like, I, I love him. I know my dad loves me. He is, he is an amazing man, a fantastic father, a wonderful husband. Like, my dad's a man. And I got to work with him a lot. And he's the kind of guy that when he has a job, no matter what comes up, no matter what happens, that job's going to get done. And it's going to get done excellently. And, and, that, and that is definitely something that he taught us with everything that we were doing. It was when, when you were given a job, there was, there was a time that it was supposed to be completed. There was a way that it was supposed to be completed. And there was really even an attitude about how it was supposed to be completed. And, and, and that, was, that was very much taught to us growing up. And, 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 I, and I appreciated that. And if it's somewhere along the way, somehow, I took what was really a great work ethic that my dad taught me, and I started to turn it. I started to turn it into kind of a way to measure if I was, if I was good enough, if I was a good son, or if I was the best of our kids. I turned it into a way to, to see if I was worth something, if I was, you know, if I could contribute something, then I was worth something. I, I even looked at, eventually became the way that I kind of receive love, if, how I feel lovable. If I was given a job, and I did it really well, and I did it, you know, whatever, then great, I'm awesome, and, I, and, I, and I'm worth something. If I didn't, if I, if I was given a job, and I messed up, or I didn't know how to do it, or I didn't do it how it was supposed to be done, in, inside, I felt like, you know, why, why are you even talking to me? Like, I'm the worst. Like, don't, this is, you know, you're a failure. That, that's, that, that's, that, that became, I, I started to see, as we looked into my story, I'm seeing that I know, I only know how to receive love from how hard I'm working, and, 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 and how much that I'm accomplishing. And, and not only is that the way that I receive love, it all, 
It also ends up being the way that I express it. And it, 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 when, I, when somebody works really hard, that's how I tend to express love and, and, and connection. And so, and so, so what, what we started to talk about was with this deal with my roommate, this, he's not performing to the way that I think he should. And so I, because of the pain of my own story, unable to express any kind of love to him. Well, the, the reason we pressed into this idea of story is because he was going, if, it, 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 we have to know our story because Jesus is somebody who was always knowing his story, always pressing into his story and bringing people into it. If, if you guys know the story of Jesus' life, he had a tough one. Jesus' story was, was he lived a life and then he was, he was accused of, of crimes he never committed. He was tried super unfairly and he was sentenced to a death that was really, really gruesome. Um, and, and, and throughout that, Jesus wrestled with his own story. He, I, you know, he, he, I think that he knew what it was and he wrestled with it. That was a hard, that's a hard one to have. And, and you see him doing that. I mean, it's, it says right, right, before he, right before all that happens, he's sitting in a garden and he's, and he's sitting there wrestling with God with this story saying, God, this is tough. If, if you will take this cup from me, I'll take a different story. If, it, if this is, I don't know if I want this. But at the end of the day, he said, not my will, God, but yours be done. Jesus was wrestling with his own story, wrestling with the own pains of that, but he was somebody who was always bringing people into it. Right before that moment, he's, he's having the last supper. He's having a dinner with his, with, his, with his best friends. And in that moment, he tells them, hey, this is what's going to happen to me. This is my story, and I want you guys to know about it. I want you guys to know about it so you can be in it with me. After that, he takes, him, he takes him to that garden where he's praying that prayer of take it from me. And, and he brings some of his friends along with him and says, hey, this is my story and I'm wrestling with it. Will you guys stay and, and pray with me for this? And they end up falling asleep and he gets ticked, which is, which is understandable. But, but my mentor's whole point of looking at story was saying we have to, like Jesus, know our story and know what's raw so that we can start to bring people into it. Because what, what my mentor would always say is he would say, you will do one of two things. When, when, when people interact, whether, you know, in any relationship, me and another person, me and a group of people, you've got my story and you've got their story. And they're going to interact. They're, they're going to touch each other sometimes in really powerful ways. A lot of times they're going to collide with each other. And, and, he, he, said, and he said, when, when any time two people interact, one of two things is going to happen. When, when, when something comes up, one of two things is going to happen. One, we can either invite people into our story, invite them into what we're experiencing. Or we can drag them into our story. And it'll be one of those. You invite them in or you'll drag them into it. And, and we all, or at least I definitely know what it feels like to drag someone into our story. That is, that is very, very normal and very easy for us to do. When, when we drag people into our story, that's, that's, when, that's when somebody touches something in us that is raw, that hurts. It feels like a bruise being hit or a, or a scab getting torn off. It's unexpected and it hurts. And, and we have a tendency to react and to retaliate. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you back. That didn't feel good, so let me show you how much that didn't feel good. And, and all we do then is we drag somebody into our own pain, and now you got two people thrashing around in vulnerable, hurt places. It's what we tend to do. And honestly, it's something that, <laughs> it's something that we even see Jesus doing. It's, 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 he was, again, he knew his story. He'd invite people in. But if you look at, if you look at uh, a, a little while before that supper, he's, um, he's sitting with his friends. This is in Matthew. And he's sitting with his friends. He's sharing with them his story. And it says this. We got it up on the screen. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer things at the hands of elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed. And on the third day, raised from the dead. He's sharing with them his story. And in that moment, 
one of his good friends, says to him probably what he wanted to hear, but, but at the end of the day was really the last thing that he needed to hear. It says this, it says, Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. We're never going to let this happen to you. We love you too much. We'll, we'll find out a different way. And in that moment, Peter touches that raw part of Jesus' story where he's wrestling, wrestling with, God's, with what God has said. And so, so the next thing it says here, and some of you guys have heard this before, it says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. He's called his friend the devil. It's intense. And, and it's, in some ways he's saying, don't tempt me like the devil did. But he's also saying here like, hey, that, that is not what I need to hear. This is, this is the pain in my story. And he kind of snaps back. We all can have a tendency to drag people into the pain of our story. But, but when we, if we are really trying to experience um, uh, relational growth and health and development, when we get to start to invite people into that, tell them, hey, this is where I'm struggling, this is where I'm wrestling, and I need you, I need you to know this so you can help me in it, I think that's where we really get to experience some incredible growth. And, and I'm, not, I'm not just talking about kind of like the cheap guilt trip where you say like, hey, you know, when you say this, it makes me feel bad, so don't say that anymore. Like, I don't, I don't mean it like that. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you kind of a dumb example, but it's been, it's been big for, for Sarah and me. A couple years back, um, I, <laughs> I am not somebody who really likes people using my things. I, I don't think people use things well, and, and I just I hate having my stuff, like, messed with. It's, I'm kind of type A. But, uh, and, and Sarah, you know, when we get married, there is no my things anymore. It's, it's ours. It's one flesh. And so, so, you know, Sarah totally rightfully so, was like using my phone and just starting to use some of my things that it, for me was like really frustrating and irritating. And I would, I would get angry about that or I'd say something snappy and, and, and fortunately kind of had an opportunity to look at my own story again and say, why is this, why am I getting so worked up? Sarah's not trying to tick me off. What's going on here? And, and again, how I grew up, I grew up in a household where if you were going to use somebody else's things. You asked that person how they wanted it used. You used it exactly how they wanted it used. And you put it back exactly the way it was, or you never see that thing again. And, and that was just, that's an expectation. That's how it was. It's, it's, that's, that is my story. But it's not who I want to be. I, I don't want to be, I want to be somebody that shares. I want to be somebody that's generous. Sarah is somebody who is so generous and so giving and just, you know, she, she loves to share and, 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 and I love that about her, and I want, I want to be like that. So I got to, I got to come to her and, and tell her, Sarah, you got to know something in my story is I have a lot of trouble lending possessions or sharing things or just I have issues around possessions, and, and I don't want to be like that. I'm telling you that so you can know and so, so that you know this is hard for me, but I'm not telling you that so you don't use my stuff. I'm telling you that so that you can help me grow in this place where I'm hurting. That's what I'm talking about, about inviting somebody into your story. And, and, and again, I think this is where we have the opportunity to experience incredible growth in relationships. I, I don't know if you guys have had this before. I hope you guys have somebody, if you've had somebody that's come to you and shared with you something that's really vulnerable for them, said, hey, I want you to know this. I want you to know this about me. I, I, need, I need your help with this. Can you, can you help me with something that's really raw and that matters? That is such an honor. That means so much. For, for me, one of the best parts about my job, it's, it's also probably the hardest part, but the best part about my job is I get to know these young men and women, and I, get, and I get to be a part of their lives from middle and high school and a little bit beyond that too. And every once in a while, some of them will come to me, and they will share with me. They'll share with me really real and hard and raw things that are going on in their lives. 
And they don't share with me because I fix it or that I've got all these like, great answers or anything like that. They share with me so that I'll know and we carry it together. And you know, sometimes it's the best that I can do is carry and say, God, you know, thanks for telling me that. That's terrible, but I'm in this with you. It, it means the world to me when, when somebody shares the real things that are going on in their story. When we invite other people into our story, when we can tell them, hey, this is where I'm hurting, we honor that person extraordinarily. And we bring them so much closer into our, it's so much closer to us. This area where we've had relational disconnect can become an area where, ta- where we're taking such a step closer. This, this idea of, of getting to know your story and, and, uh, and, and inviting people into it instead of just dragging them into it, I think that this is, I, it, for me, it's been hugely helpful. It's, it, I think it's something that everybody should do. This isn't necessarily a Christian thing. This isn't necessarily a God thing. I think this is, anybody should do this. It's helpful. For those of us who are in the room who are going, I'm following Jesus, and I'm trying to figure out where he's at. I'm trying to grow in him. I'm trying to seek him in the midst of broken relationships or relationships that aren't where we want them. The last thing I want to say, this is the last thing my mentor would bring up, was he said, if, if we're in that spot and we're saying, where is God in the midst of this? As we start to know our story, and as we start to d- dive into that, we're going to find where God's waiting for us. We're going to find where God is. Because what, what my mentor said to me was, he said, he said, as I started to see, okay, I've got this weird way that I only know how to express and receive love through like how hard that I work. He said, okay, have you seen this come up before? Have you, seen this be, have you seen this be a pattern with the person that you're having this conflict with? Or even better, have you seen it happen with multiple people through certain periods of time? And I think that the answer for me was yes, and the answer for all of us is those, those real areas, yeah, they do keep coming up. And what he said is you got to know that's, if you want to know where God is, he's waiting for you in that spot. He said that when, when, when God says that he wants relationship with us, he wants relationship with every part of us. He wants to know, he wants to know every detail of us, and including and probably especially those areas that are raw and that, are, and that we don't really want to get into and that, are, and that hurt. He, God is the amazing healer and the ultimate healer, and he wants to go into those places and heal those spots. So that, so that we can be free from them. He, and so if we want to know where God is, he's saying, I'm in this spot and I keep bringing it up again and again because I want you to come and sit with me in this spot. Not just over in these areas, I want you to sit with me in this spot and I'm going to bring it up over and over again until you will. So my mentor would say to me when we, when we were looking at this, when we were looking at my story, he'd be like, all right, so if, if, if you've got this kind of whack way of measuring love, you got to sit with God with that. you got to sit with God. And, and in my head, I'd be like, what does that mean, sit with God? It's just such a frustrating answer. I've, I've you know, always had frustration with that. If, I don't know what he means, sit with God. And unfortunately, uh, I think that that answer is different for every person. I, I, and so, so that's another frustrating answer. But I was, uh, I, was, I was talking with Chris Sturgeon, one of the other pastors who was up here about this earlier this week. And, and he gave me kind of three ways that, that were really helpful for me of how we can sit with God in the midst of what we're going through. And, um, and, and I, I think the things, that, the things that, that I'm trying to do that I invite you guys to try with me that, that I'm not just talking about for today or for this week, but these, these are things that I'm going to try to do for like the long term or for at least a season. When we, when we get into things that really are, are painful and vulnerable, they're not quick fixes. It's, it's, this is going to take time. But what, what we talked about was, was you know, taking, taking some time every day, maybe 10, 30 minutes in the morning or whenever, and praying with God, praying, God, 
about my story, about your story, okay? And saying, this is, this is an area that I, you know, I wrestle with. I have this weird way that I measure love by how, how well I work and, and how many things I do. But, but you, God, are somebody that looks at us and says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you haven't done. I love you right now. I don't, I don't want to be stuck in this anymore. How, help me experience you. The other thing we can do is we can pray for the person that we're having this, where there's relational conflict or things aren't where we want. God, I, I have this roommate, and, and my story is spilling into our relationship, and it's, and it's causing us to have this conflict, and I don't want to have that. I want to be able to believe the best. I want to be able to erase the scoreboard, but my story is affecting us. Help us in that. And the last thing we can do is, is, and this is what we talked about, is, is, is bring somebody into that. Bring, bring someone into your story. Maybe it's going to that person. Hey, this is, where I'm, this is where I'm struggling. This is where I'm having trouble. I need you to know this because it's, it's raw for me and I want you to help me navigate it. For some of you, whatever, whatever the relationship is that you're thinking of, whatever there is, you know, it may not be appropriate for, for, to, to talk to that person about this yet. There might be too much raw emotion going on. There might be, you know, their story might be being hit in their own way and it might not be right yet to bring them into it, but what does it look like to bring somebody that you really do trust and value and, and, and can be safe with and come to them and say, hey, this is an area where I'm wrestling. It's, it, it, this is me. This is, this is, these are hard spots for me. It's bleeding into my relationships with other people. I need you to pray for me about this, and I need you to ask me about it. I need you to bring this up for me. I need you to not let me think about this for a week and then forget about it. I think when we start to do that, when we, when, when, we, when we put ourselves in that posture, I think that's when our relationships start to be like Jesus. Paul says in, uh, in another letter he writes to a church in Philippi, he says, he says this. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, taking his story and bringing it into our story. It says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God, we want to be people that know where, that, that are diving into our stories. We know, we want to find you and we know that you are waiting for us in those raw parts, in those, spot, in those spots that, that maybe we don't even want to look at. Um, and we just, we just ask that, that you would help us do that. And in, in the time that we have now, would you, would you help us start to see our own story? Would you gently bring us to a spot where we can start to talk about what's going on so that we can, we can invite you into it and then we can invite others into it and start to experience the kind of relationships that you tell us we should have. Thanks for this time, Lord, and be with us as we sort of enter into these places with you. Amen.